Well, uh, yeah, this morning we're looking at just the tiny little value called God's love. And um, now I'm really excited um, to zoom in on a part of his love I'm with you this morning, but thanks um, to a bunch of you that came on Friday night, um, to the couple of baptisms we had here, and it was a great um, celebration um, together with um, yeah a whole range of the generations and, and families and grandparents, and and yeah it was a really little really special picture of of God's love. You know, um, I had many many sermons floating through my head the last week or two on on how do I I. I communicate what's God wanting in this season to look at this part of God's love within our values that are the foundations um, for us as a church, for everything we do, that we want it to flow out of these values. And um, God's love um, in many ways is everything, is, is, is over all things. Um, but yeah, God's kind of narrowed it down for me this morning to speak into a, a special part of his love, um, which... Um, I think the last couple of years has, has, has really grown in my heart and, and really spoken to me and molded me. Um, and to, before um, I go into it, I want to start with a quick little movie review um, just to, to warm us up. Um, so put your hand up if you've seen Instant Family. Oh, guys, what do you guys do with your time? I tell you what, surely you're home a few nights a week, Saturday, Sunday, you get a movie out, it's the perfect date night, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with someone else. All right, best movie out in the last um, 12 months next to Avengers Endgame. But um, it looks cheesy, and I, I didn't I, I, I didn't go to the cinema to see it. You know, I thought, oh, here's another family cheese. Um, but, you know, it's it's got over 80% ratings online on Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, it is a beautiful story. Um, Believe it or not, Mark Wahlberg can can act, and um, it's great performance from the, this this American couple, who um, they have this pressure from their family that they will never have children, and they they're, they're too focused on themselves, they're too focused on career that they'll never have children, and they decide they want to stick it to their family, and they thought, you know what, let's save time instead of having our own children, um, let's adopt. And so it's this beautiful story where they go on this journey of learning how to adopt in America and then they, they meet one child that they feel is the right connection and that child happens to have a brother and sister. So they adopt three at once and they're an instant family. So there's a little spoiler in there, but essentially that's the start of the movie. Um, but honestly, it's this beautiful portrayal of the power of adoptive love and the power of how when we love people that, that we do not know um, or that um, aren't maybe a natural fit or that we yeah have previous no relationship with and it, it's it, it has some like seriously I, I know someone that cried throughout the entire movie um, to the embarrassment of her whole family um, me and Emma both shed some tears um, but it's a tearjerker which I love in a movie um, a movie not to watch that I watched last night was A Quiet Place. Um, also a lovely family movie, but yeah, don't watch it. Um, pretty, pretty brutal, intense, few scary moments. Um, but yeah, the reason I love um, the, the theme coming through this movie and, and where I think God wants to just speak in today is adoptive love. And this is something that I've over the last 15 years experienced as well. Um, so you can turn to adoptive love, great. Um, particularly in my visits to the Solomon Islands and Aboriginal Indigenous communities. 
um, where um, you, you spend some time for maybe a few weeks um, with the leaders and the friends and the families. And, and one of the difficulties is it's hard to work out who is related, um, who is the sons and daughters of the friends you've been making. And, and there's this incredible picture of interlocking relationships um, to the point where even on a trip me and Emma went a couple of years ago, we didn't even know whose baby was whose mum because they were sharing um, the breastfeeding. And it was this hilarious picture for Emma who was preparing to be a mum um, um, and has joked since since we've been back here at Feast, but um, many have rejected that style of life where we live. Um, however, me and Emma seem open to it. But the, this, there's this beautiful picture in the, the tribal indigenous community village life where um, often their homes are 10 to 20 people. And there's this incredible picture that's taught me and, and molded me on the extension of, of God's love, the extension of how we can do family. Um, and I've been really privileged, particularly with Seru and the ministry there and the Solomons. Um, there's actually a house next to the house where they've taken um, many kids who've either lost their parents or been estranged from them. And again, when we spent time in the Solomons with our youth trips, uh, there's a whole bunch of guys that are in and out of all the different homes, and it's hard to know who is family. And they're all treated in such a similar, beautiful picture of love. And and that's something that's, that, that I guess God's highlighted and taught me. I've been blessed through having my uh, personally a, a great family, but then I've also had incredible people um, and, and extended family who have treated me in the same way. And and I, I'm really thankful that within our church, I think this is a really key part of the value of God's love, that we want to see flow into our Sunday gatherings and throughout our whole week. We want to see every one of us live in this way in your workplaces, in your families and extended families. Every ministry here I know um, is focused on seeking to create a culture of adoptive love. I'm going to share some stories later from the, uh, my, uh, the youth ministry that me and the team lead. But I, I'm constantly hearing stories and I can see by the amount of um, people coming and visiting and participating in, in, in the men's shed, in the play group, in the sports ministry. Um, I can see the way people um, are being treated. We don't always get it perfect, but our goal is to, to love in this adoptive love. Um, a quote, a quote, and a line that really spoke to me came from Bill Johnson, um, one of my mentors and, and heroes. Um, and he described the gospel as a story of the Father wooing the hearts of mankind through His love. All the other stuff we do overflows from that discovery. And I just, for me, that sums up the picture of a God who created all things, that decided to freely leave Him behind. And since that moment in Genesis 3 where evil and sin stained the hearts of humanity, the Father has never given up and He continually today is searching for hearts who are fully committed to Him. Our Father in heaven is slowly calling and wooing those who know Him and those who don't know Him because we all need to come back to the adoptive love of the Father because it's there that we find perfect relationship, that we find peace we find um, security and contentment. So adoptive love, it, it's not a line or a language that I grew up hearing. Um, there's many aspects to God's love, like his never-ending love, his never-failing love, his eternal love, 
His agape, sacrificial love, his unconditional love. But this morning I want to um, just allow God to speak into this nature of adoption, adoptive love. In Genesis 6, we read that the fall of the relationship between God and humanity had become so broken and fractured, so separated. God saw the wickedness we read in Genesis 6 of the hearts of man and he regretted that he had made humans and his heart was deeply troubled. I hold on to that scripture throughout my life because it reminds me of the brokenness and the wickedness of humanity. It helps me understand what I still see happening in the world. It helps me understand what my own heart is capable of. And before I follow Jesus with my whole heart, it reminds me of, of the nature that I had within me to live for my own desires, my own pursuits, and not to live in an adoptive love that, that God actually created us for and created us to live in. So Ephesians 1 that um, Heather read for us. Um, so the, the theme of adoptive love becomes particularly strong through Paul's writing. So this Pauline theme here in Ephesians 1, we're reminded that before the creation of the world, God had this desire. He had this intention to create this beautiful paradise, which we know that Jesus one day will return and recreate. And at the moment, he's doing that through us. But we read in verse 5 that he predestined the destiny he had planned for every single one of us was to be adopted to be a part of God's family, to be a child of God. And he planned this. He knew what could happen through humanity, but he planned it through Jesus Christ. And so we discover God's love through the cross, through the life of Jesus and where he ended up on the cross and three days later the resurrection. But we read here that it was with his pleasure and his will. That it was all part of God's plan. It's hard for us to understand how that there could be so much suffering and darkness that was to happen, but this was all within his pleasure and his will. But because of his plan to send Jesus, he freely gave us Christ that redeems us through his blood and forgives us. And it's all in accordance to the riches of who God is, the God of all creation, the God of universe, and he chooses to lavish that upon us. And so I, I want to exp- um, express this morning that really adoptive love is the heartbeat of heaven. God is, is on the throne of heaven watching over us and at his very nature, his very heartbeat is that every single person, every single creation would come back into relationship with him. Literally the thing that gets his, his heart going is that we would trust him and love him and respond to the love that he's pouring out on us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, um, the beloved disciple of John, he wrote that, See, behold, the great love that the Father has lavished on all of us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. John, the, the, the closest and best friend of Jesus, said, Behold it. We all need to behold this love that the Father's placed on us, that we are called children of God. And you only need to see a young child walking with a little instrument 
or singing or dancing or being baptized at age 12. These pictures show us the innocence and the beauty of a child like faith. And we all have been gifted with that. So it's at the heart of the father. And in his love, he then sent Jesus. And it's in the most famous of scriptures, John three sixteen, that we read about God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So easy to become numb to those worlds, words. But because God so loved all creation, the whole world, that he gave up his son to the cross. But through the resurrection, we all receive a resurrected life and eternal life. And so we see at the heartbeat of the father and the heartbeat of Jesus that, that they gave up everything. The father gave up his son to earth and, the, and then his son gave up his life and his friendships and his family that he had formed on earth for 33 approximately years. He gave it all up at his very heart so that we would be adopted back into a free relationship with the father through Jesus. And that is the power of adoptive love. And then this final picture was completed in the promise of Jesus that he would send us the third person of the relationship and the perfect communion of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in Romans 5, verse 5, we read, The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So this adoptive love from the Father through the Son has been now poured into our hearts. It's living and breathing and dwelling and pumping through our life, our breath, and it dwells within our hearts. Paul goes on to write that it's it's for all of us, when we are led by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, we are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is the adoptive love of the Father through the Son that's poured into our hearts. It lives and dwells. For me, when it went beyond my heart and I began to understand it dwelled in me, it breathed through me, it changed everything. And I, I this this intimate um, original language that, that, that Abba comes from, this cry, this daddy love, this special love, when I found a true and intimate and deep relationship with, with, with the father around age 18 in a whole new depth where everything that was in my head and that I'd been brought up knowing began to be this, this knowing in my heart and this tasting and experiencing and then this pursuit, not just from the head, but also from the heart. And then I began to learn after years and years of trying to overcome much of my flesh and my evil and the wickedness in my heart that everything Christ had done, he had forgiven me. He had made me pure. He'd made me holy. And I simply needed to come to him each day and cry, Abba, Father. And I guess the question I have for us this morning is, when did you last cry, Abba, Father? Is that a daily practice for you? Where you look to to, to your daddy in heaven. You look to a father in heaven. You look to a, the presence of heaven. We all are at different points in our journey and, and we'll have different ways of connecting Abba Father. You can use any language you like. 
You can use tongues. You can use a personal name you have for him. You can use Abba Father. But is there an intimacy there? Emma shared a month or so ago how Joey's first word was was daddy. And uh, she still, on Mother's Day, I spent the whole week saying mama, 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 and she didn't quite get there. She still just was just loving the sound of dada, dada. And every morning on the monitor, uh, we leave her for a bit. She plays in the car and she's standing up. She's getting a bit crazy. And, and, uh, then I start to hear da, 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 da. And it doesn't get old. I, I, I honestly, I come home and she's crawling around saying it. It's the only word she knows. So I'm just enjoying it while it lasts. But, um, we think she started to say that, that, that. I still think it's that, that. And everything's just this loving relationship like dad. But there, like, um, you know, I, I experienced many, many years ago this, this fatherly intimate love. But again, it's, it's hit a, it's, it's, it's created a new illustration for me where like for three months he's been saying dad, dad. And there, there is, I can't describe it, that there's nothing better. And it just makes me think, well, if that's the kind of cry that the Holy Spirit's stirring in our hearts, if, if, if we're not finding that today, if you're not living from that place, I dare to wonder that you're missing out on something. And I can say that I I don't feel it every day, but I've, I've trained myself and my life and my habits and my calendar and my schedule so that the cry of my heart each day would not be for my my job. It wouldn't be just for my wife, my child, um, my favorite treats, what I'm having for lunch, that that would not be the number one cry of my heart. I've had to discipline myself early in the morning, late at night, to train and, and, and let my heart find the spaces and the places to be still, to be quiet and to cry out to the Father with whatever I may be facing. And, and that is the, the cry and the adoptive love that we can find through the Father that now dwells in us. We have the Father and the Son in heaven who've poured out all of His grace, the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. But, but most of us, we haven't got to understand the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. The power to change your heart every day. To receive the inheritance and the glory of the kingdom of God. We heard last week about depending on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's the cry of my heart, that I wouldn't live from earth. That, that heaven would be guiding me, transforming me and speaking into my life. Not just that I would receive it. That is the, the greatest command. That is where we begin. Every day, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul. It begins there. It's not about what you do. It's not about who you love. The number one and first greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And it's from that place God leads us. But it begins by finding that safety, that security with the Father, with our Abba Father. So as we push into this adoption theme, um, I was blown away by a, a pastor from a, a church in Byron Bay, and, and he described that imagine if you were to view the whole world as an orphanage and the church is the adoptive agent. Because the Bible describes that we were all separated from the love of God. And every single one of us in our hearts and in our spirits at one point here and, and beyond us today across the world have been separated from God's and we are all orphans. And, and every one of us carries 
a, a separation from God through evil, through sin, through in the inheritance of darkness, an orphan spirit that needs to find peace and hope and love in Jesus. And I just loved this picture that excited me, that if, if, if that was truly how I viewed it, that every single person needs to be loved and treated and adopted just as we all know that those who have no family truly need the loving care of, of adopted parents or adopted brothers and sisters. We, we all know that for, for orphans and, and those um, left aside or um, left behind. But in many ways, through our relationship with God, that is the whole earth. But the church, the call from Jesus that we would be the light of the world, that we would be the bride of Christ, but that we would we would adopt and treat people in such a beautiful adoptive way that they would encounter the love of God. So that everywhere we go, as people encounter us, they encounter the Father's love to come home. And that's at the heartbeat of God. That's the heartbeat of mission. That's the heartbeat of discipleship, that everyone would come home as an orphan and they would become a child of God. George Mueller's um, ministry impacted me deeply um, many years ago when I read his biography and I'm blown away by um, his stories about the orphanages that he created. It ended up he had five large orphanages that cared for over 10,000 orphans during his lifetime. In England at the time, there was only spots for 3,600 orphans. After he had finished his ministry of uh, over um, half a century, there was then a 100,000 places for, for orphans to be adopted and loved and cared and nurtured. And, and he was just an incredible pastor who relied and depended on God in incredibly miraculous ways. But one of the greatest parts of his ministry was his heart for the orphan. And, and, and it's this adoptive love that's impacted the way um, we do Chicago Youth, the way we run the pier, the way we run our ministries and um, I was, I'm just so proud of, of my team and, and the way the team has led for the last 10 years. But I wanted to highlight this morning the peer. Um, the peer has been led by Caleb the last three years and different leaders have, have come and gone supporting him. At the moment, Graham Beatty and Kyle Jenkins have been supporting him. Before Caleb, Alex, who's preaching tonight, ran it for a year. Before that, it was knocked down by a bunch of guys. The walls were knocked down. It was um, some empty rooms that weren't being used. And we turned it into a space um, to love and nurture and care for people. Um, we now have T-shirts and hoodies at the pier. And the, the line that we have on those is a home away from home. And I've been blown away watching the guys run it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll visit each week and I'll spend time with the kids, particularly trying to connect with the families. In the early days, there was only um, around five kids, five to ten kids. We wanted to reach um, um, people that were playing um, futsal and netball. That was always at Monty's vision behind it. Originally, it was in the loft and then it moved downstairs. But, I mean, I, I want to, I guess, give a shout out to, to Caleb and all the guys that have, have been a part of it. But the level of love and the level of adoptive love that now um, features in the pier is incredible. Um, you, what you can see there is a table six years ago, Mitch Roberts hand-built, a table that can seat over 20 people, and it's at the heart of the, the pier. And um, through Graham and Caleb's hospitality and their, their gifts and their love, they decided to, um, rather than just give out food and milkshakes for three hours, 
Um, the milkshakes flow, but the food is a special each week, and they have a time where they all come in to the, the long table. Um, and they, they come up with all sorts of things. Um, Graham's quite adventurous. Um, he's v- slightly vegan and vegetarian and can convince a child to eat broccoli with a cheese and chicken quesadilla. Um, but they, they go from waffles to pancakes to hot dogs. Um, and they're, they're just incredible variety. But you can see this picture here. Um, the kids, they come from, at times, up to six different schools. Um, over half of them are unchurched and never grown up in, in families that go to church. And I've had so many parents just come and thank me, ask me about our church, offer to give money, ask who runs this place. And, and I've been amazed by um, the conversations that, that I've been able to have. And I share this story because of the adoptive love that flows through the peer. And more than that, the peers transformed me. Because there's been kids in there that, I'll be honest, they come for three hours, it's a drop-in centre, there's there's less rules, less program, they can be destructive, they can be rude. Um, but over the last few years, God has trusted our youth ministry with incredibly um, different a, a varieties of children from all sorts of families. Um, I've been working with all sorts of um, different agencies who've needed support and, and care for some of the kids. And um, God has trusted us with kids who actually don't have homes or um, who aren't attending school or um, have fallen into um, um, addictions at a young age um, with drugs or alcohol. And they've been coming in Wednesdays and Fridays and often a lot of my night is is caring for them, accepting them, loving them, calling their parents. And, and some of them it's been three or four year journeys and it's tested me, it's molded me. It's had to strip away my judgments. Um, it's had to strip away, often I'll look at these kids and I will judge them because that's at times the nature of the flesh. And then I'll be bitter that they take away or they tr- mistreat another kid. But God has molded in me the Father's heart that every one of these kids needs the adoptive love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that the church needs to be a family. It needs to be different. And the church needs to look radically different. We're a sports center. We're a business. But at at the very heart of us, none of that matters. Because what we truly are is a picture of God's love. We all carry the adoptive love of God and and we want to treat, it starts with how we treat each other and how we love one another and then it flows into our ministries like the peer and everything else that that, that comes out of the centre. Beyond um, this example, we look to Christ and we know that it was Jesus who represented the Father's love. And in Hebrews 1, there's this incredible verse that describes The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And there's nowhere else that we can learn from the life of Jesus. We look to him. We read his story in the Gospels each year. We need to spend each day learning the rhythms of Christ and how he loved people because he exactly represented the Father. So we want to walk like Christ. He had 12 disciples Three of them were his closest and best friends. He met with 72 and he empowered them to go and adopt and love and care for the world. At times he sent out 300. At times he spoke to 3,000. But at the end of the day, he spent most of his time around the table with 12 people, fishing, loving, caring. 
And that exactly represents the Father's love. At the moment, many prophecies around the world are saying the next great revival and movement of God's love will happen around the table, the fireplace, and around hearts that are deeply connected and loving. And we're we're, we're representing the, the Father like Jesus, who's given us the Holy Spirit to live like him, to bear the fruits of the Spirit as we learn our gifts that the Holy Spirit's given us. Jesus walked in radical love. He cared for the outcast, the people that were difficult to love. And he just kept representing the Father's love. And that convicts me because I believe all of us have looked down upon each other at one time. Inside this building, with our families, in our workplaces. But we need to be so radically transformed by the adoptive love of the Father that we can live out the the exact love that Jesus walked in. And that happens through a supernatural transformation in our hearts, through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. I finish with 1 Corinthians 13 that paints in another way through Paul this type of love that you and I can check our hearts with daily. We've been given the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit, but Paul reminds the church of Corinth, and I believe today he's reminding us, we read from verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing, nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Jesus called the disciples to remain in his love. Jude, in his letter near the end of the Bible, he implores the church to remain in his love. And Paul, straight after this, says, follow the way of love and desire the gifts of the Spirit. But we need to remain in his love. It starts with with Abba Father, the cry of our hearts. But this picture of that Paul paints If we were to read that daily, weekly, just to align our hearts, do we treat one another in patience, without envy? We never dishonor one another. In love, we come to each other. We encourage one another. We never fail one another. We stand by each other. That's the adoptive love of God that we we grow together in our small groups, in our gatherings, and then the church shows that to the whole world. And and that is the value that our church wants to be built on, whether we're overseas, whether we're interstate, whether we're in in Dural, wherever we are, we remain in this love. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes. And we learn that through the power of the Holy Spirit, transforming in our hearts, bringing to life the resurrection of Jesus, power over death, power over evil, power over bitterness, power over rejection, We cannot carry any 
anything that doesn't reflect the Father's love. And I encourage you in your small groups or this morning to take that to the cross, take that to prayer, take that to the powerful transforming work of the Holy Spirit. Amen.